0: You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34 is where we'll be today. Good to be back at our normal time after last week, our Christmas Eve service being in the the afternoon. Um, I want to do something that we wouldn't normally do, and that's go all the way back a year ago and and talk about a sermon that was taught then and then transition to today's sermon. So normally we would recap last week's sermon. We're actually going to recap a year ago's sermon. And some of you may remember uh, a year ago as we kicked off the new year, uh, we titled that sermon Faithful Failing in 2023. Um, and, and our uh, summary sentence for that week was, if you don't know the Lord, then you won't trust the Lord when his plans seem to be failing. But if you will expect trials to come and expect him to be working faithfully in those trials, you will find all the help you need in 2023. What's the context of that statement? Where were we a year ago? Well, we were on the brink of the children of Israel going through a transition from Egypt to out of Egypt, right? Uh, Moses had encountered God uh, on the mountain. Uh, God had given him instructions to go back to Egypt um, to approach Israel and then to approach Pharaoh and to uh, call for his people to be released. And Everything was going exactly as the Lord had communicated, right? At that point in our, in our sermon series in Exodus, uh, Aaron had come to support Moses just as God had promised. The people had listened and received Moses uh, in spite of previous rejection, just as God had promised. And as Moses comes before Pharaoh, Pharaoh rejects the call to let Israel go, just as God had promised But it was then that Moses began to spiral when that trial hit, right? Like, even though God had said these plans aren't going to come to fruition, there's going to be challenges and difficulties and trials that come about, Moses' faith starts to spiral. Even though God had promised the trial, um, Moses loses faith and begins to question whether God is really involved. Um, We said that specific challenges are inevitable if trials are promised, right? We said that what happened was Moses failed to see that even though God had said Pharaoh's going to cause hardships, that when those hardships came, he failed to see the specific application as being from God, that, that God was still in control, right? And so I challenged you a year ago. I said, I don't know what 2023 has in store for us. I said, but Scripture promises trials and challenges, and so we better be prepared. We better be prepared that God is going to bring difficulty In 2023, just because that's promised to a believer. And the question will be will we run to him or run from him out of frustration? Will we see his working? Will we see his goodness? Or will we throw our hands up and say, Where are you, Lord? Now, we certainly faced our fair share of trials in 2023, right? Um, It was maybe a week later from that sermon that I announced that Lauren and I were miscarrying, right? It wasn't long after that that Nadine was diagnosed with cancer. It wasn't long after that that we lost Andrew. And then more trials continued to come throughout the year, right? Family members who passed away, further cancer diagnoses, job insecurities, um, health challenges, all kinds of things that continued to spring up in 2023, just as the Lord promised, right? Did God promise miscarriages and cancer diagnosis and, and early deaths? no. But did God promise trials and challenges and difficulties to those who follow him? Absolutely. And we saw the specific application of that to our life, right? And the, and the question became, would we turn to God or run from him out of frustration? The question isn't, will I face discouragement? But instead, what should I do when I do? We kept all year long talking about God keeping his promises regarding blessing and trial that he promises to be good in the midst of the bad, that we're to expect trouble to come, we're to expect plans to not succeed, but we're to see the Lord as being faithful, and he certainly was faithful all through this past year, all through twenty three. he has been faithful over and over and over again, one of the things that we emphasized early last year is that he remains in control, he remains committed, and he remains compassionate. Those are three C's that we can really hang on to as God's, as God's people. As we step into this new year once again, where more trials and more challenges will certainly come, we hang our hat on the fact that God remains in control, he remains committed to his people, and he remains compassionate. Right? What we've seen in the book of Exodus is God constantly hearing his people, constantly responding in compassion to his people. He's committed to his people and he remains in control of everything happening around them. We said that when the people of Israel heard about Pharaoh saying no and making their labor harder, they basically told M- M- Moses, "This stinks." Like you stink, your efforts stink. And we said when things become a stinky mess, we fight discouragement. We fight despair by running to the Lord with spiritual supporters in 2023, right? That we need each other to keep each other encouraged as we face trials and difficulties. That was a year ago. A year ago, we talked about failing in 2023 potentially. And by failing, we meant our plans, our hopes, our dreams, our desires weren't going to all come to, the, to fruition the way we wanted them to, but we could trust that God is faithful trust that God is good. As we step into 2024, I want to talk about faithful following. Faithful following in 2024. If you don't seek to follow the Lord, then you can't rightly claim his good presence in your life. But if you will determine to be intentional in the ways you seek to obey, you will find all the good you need as you face more in 2024. We're going to face more trials. We're going to face more challenges, more difficulties, simply because that's promised to those who follow him. So we shouldn't expect 2024 to be any different than 2023. Now, the application is going to look different. The specific trials and challenges are going to look different, but they are still going to come. More will come in 2024. But if we'll faithfully follow him, we'll faithfully follow him, we can trust that his good presence remains with us. And that throughout any bad we encounter this upcoming year, he remains good. He remains good. For our kids, obeying God helps us to trust his goodness when we face hard times. Obeying God helps us to trust his goodness when we face hard times. Let's look at Exodus chapter 34 together. We're going to read the entire chapter. We're going to hit on various points throughout it and try to cover the whole thing today. We'll start in verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. "'No one shall come up with you "'and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. "'Let no flocks or curds graze opposite that mountain. "'So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, "'and he rose early in the morning "'and went up on Mount Sinai "'as the Lord had commanded him "'and took in his hand two tablets of stone. "'The Lord descended in the cloud "'and stood with him there "'and proclaimed the name of the Lord.'" And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. And he said, behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or any nation, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day, Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram, for you shall worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a Jealous God." "...lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons and their daughters, whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. You shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you, at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in the month of Abib you came out from Egypt." All that open the womb are mine, all your male livestock, the firstborn of cow and sheep, the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingatherings at year's end. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leaven, or let the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover remain until the morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Following the Lord into 2024, questions that have been asked prior to this passage, there's this uncertainty that's trying to be clarified in the minds of the people, and in the, in the Lord asking questions as well to clarify in the people's minds whether they are on board with what's going on, right? As they fall into idolatry, the question that the Lord is asking is, who's on my side? Who's willing to return to me? Who's willing to side with me and follow me on this next step in our journey, right? We, for, for the children of Israel, it's almost like they're at the brink of a new year too, Right? And they're, they're being challenged to, to examine their life and to say, will you side with the Lord? Will you go where he wants you to go? Right? And then this other question that's kind of looming is, will the Lord go with us? Have we violated in such a way that the Lord is going to abandon us? Those are two questions we should be asking ourselves as we go into 2024. Are we on the Lord's side? And the question that should be asked and is thus answered is, the Lord will certainly go with us into 2024. We can trust his good presence goes with us as we follow him into this new year. Chapter 34 starts with Moses getting a fresh copy of the law, a fresh experience with God that clarifies his name and his character. We looked at this some last week, but Exodus 34, 6 and 7, it's a super important passage in the Bible, This, this declaration of God's name and really a definition of what the name means. It's a it's a listing off of important attributes of God that he's he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, holding the the guilty uh, um, responsible, not not just clearing the guilty but holding them. Responsible. It's a super important passage in the Bible, made evident by the fact that this passage is referenced over and over again going forward when people are describing God to others. Psalm eighty-six fifteen, Psalm one hundred three eight, Psalm one forty-five eight, Joel two thirteen. Even Jonah in Jonah four two references God being this way and really implies that he doesn't want God to be this way. He wants him to be quick to anger towards the Ninevites. He wants God to be unforgiving to the Ninevites, right? But he references passage and says, I know that you're not that way. I know you're slow to anger. I know you're a forgiving God. I know you're gracious and merciful. This passage, this revelation to Moses lays a foundation that if we're not careful, we just take it for granted because we know these things about God, but how do we know them? Because God chose to reveal this to us. Thousands and thousands of years ago, he reveals this passage, and it's a super important passage because it eliminates uh, us approaching God like uh, the characters in The Wizard of Oz would approach the wizard, right? Think about when, when Dorothy and her band of followers come to the Emerald City. They need help, right? They need good help from a, from a sovereign, They need somebody who can be controlling and can be helpful, and they come appealing to this wizard, and they don't know who he is. They don't know whether he's good or bad. They don't know whether they should be fearful of him, right? They they don't, they don't know anything about him. We don't have to approach our God that way. We don't have to approach wondering, is he going to be the way we need him to be? He's revealed to us that he is. He's absolutely what we need him to be. It clarifies, this, this section here clarifies as he tells Israel he's reestablishing the covenant that they broke. He didn't break it, they broke it. He's clarifying that he is gonna go with them into the promised land, but he's not gonna go like a policeman escorting a criminal, right? Like he's not, he's not coming into the promised land uh, with, with broken fellowship with his people. Instead, he's clarifying that he comes into the promised land with them like a father watching over a child. He's compassionate and merciful to those in need. He's gracious to those who don't measure up. He's slow to anger and patient to those who are rebellious. He's loyal to those who are unfaithful. He's forgiving to those who are guilty. He's just to the unrepentant. Last week we said the thrill of hope found in Christmas is that God's revelation of who he is and what he's doing should lead to ongoing worship as we anticipate the fulfillment of the awesome things he has determined to do for us as his people. Moses responds to this first section of Exodus 34 with worship. If this is who you are, Lord, I worship you. I bow down before you. And then we said last week, he, he says, God, be this way to us, right? Lord, go with us. We're a stiff-necked people. Pardon us. Forgive us. Take us as your inheritance. Moses has hope that's built on who God is, and what God's going to do because God responds and says he's going to reestablish this covenant and that he is going to do awesome things in their midst. I think we have that same promise for us as we step into a new year, that the Lord wants to do awesome things in our life this year. There's going to be trials. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be difficulties, but in the midst of the bad, the Lord will remain good his good presence. Remember that goodness is how he reveals himself. When Moses says, show me your glory, the Lord says, I'm gonna communicate my goodness to you. The Lord goes into 2024 in a good way with us, with plans for awesome things. Will we follow him? Will we faithfully follow him into this new year? How do I go into this year expecting the awesomeness of God and relying on the goodness of God to carry me through The more of 2024, more is coming, more challenge, more difficulties coming. How do we expect the awesomeness of God? How do we rely on his goodness? I want to give you three things this morning. Number one, trust that God will make a way for his plans in 2024. Trust that God will make a way for his plans in 2024. He says, I'm going to make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as not have been created in all the earth or any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it's an awesome thing that I will do with you. Now look what verse 11 says. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst." Notice that the Lord's plans are guaranteed, right? The intentionality of God's plans are assured. His plans will come to fruition. What he is telling Israel he's going to do, there's no question about it, he is going to do it. And it's gonna be good for them. It's gonna be good for them. Awesome things that he has in store for them. He's been intentional in his planning and it's assured and these are the things that Moses is already praying for, right? Like Moses is praying for the presence of God, the forgiveness of God, that he would claim them as in his inheritance. These are all things that have been promised. And the Lord is communicating once again yes, I'm fully in control. I'm fully committed. I'm fully compassionate. And I'm making a covenant of awesomeness that will cause others to long for a similar treatment. That's what he's communicating. I'm, I'm going to be awesome towards you. And other people are going to look on longingly for that type of treatment. In all the bad, He's going to remain good towards his people. The Lord is intentional. And we have, we have the assurance that whatever's in store for 24, 24, it's been planned intentionally for us. Look at number two: The fulfillment of God's plans is never in question. The enemies of Israel are going to be driven out. There's no question. There's no wondering. There's no hoping. There's no chance of it not occurring. There's only tension or uncertainty surrounding Israel's response. Notice that. He says, observe what I command you this day. That's where the uncertainty is. Will you obey? Will you observe what I command? It's not will I be able to drive out the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites? The uncertainty doesn't lie in whether God will be effective, but rather in whether Israel will be submissive. It isn't, will God win? The question is, will Israel obey? We can trust that God has plans in store for us this new new year. Plans that, that we don't know yet, Plans that oftentimes will deviate from what we would like to see done, and yet we can trust that the Lord's plans will be carried out for us in 2024, and they're good. Even in the midst of bad, they are good. New plans, new journeys, new agendas, new things that will happen in 2024. We started last year with a series of trials. We start this year getting ready to say goodbye to a, a church family that's been with us for a while now that's, that's been devoted to serving in this community. And we're gonna say goodbye to the Zarlingas who are gonna have new plans in store, right? New things that God's gonna do in their life. But God has all kinds of plans in store for all of us. New things that are coming in 2024. And we can trust that they're gonna come to fruition exactly how he wants them to exactly how he wants them to. There's no question that he is going to drive these people out. The question is, are you going to follow me as I carry out my plans? Are you going to follow me? We can trust that God will make a way for his plans in 2024. Nothing that he wants to do won't be accomplished this year. Number two, the responsibility then comes to us to take care that you don't work against those plans in 2024. Take care that you don't work against those plans in 2024. God's communicating covenant blessing, but then he shifts to communicating covenant responsibility. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be awesome to you. I'm going to work and move in mighty ways for you, but you've got to come along for the ride. You've got to take care that you follow me on this new journey. This covenant responsibility applied to his people. He starts by listing things to avoid, and then he's going to list things to involve in right? There's a two-sided coin to this. He says, children of Israel, I'm going to do this. Now, here's where the expectation falls on you. These are things to avoid, and these are things to involve yourselves in. Number one, our identity as God's people should keep us committed to him. Our identity as God's people should keep us committed to him. His provision is meant to draw us into submission to him. He's covenanted to do his part. Now we must follow his good. He says, observe what I command you this day. Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. God has plans for us in 2024. Are we gonna work with him or against him with those plans? Are we gonna be submitted to what he wants to do? Or are we gonna push back and fight against after a love for the things of this world. Our identity should keep us committed to him. Number two, our identity as God's people should keep us from compromise. We're called to be distinct from the world around us. That's the, that's the gist of what he's saying here in verses 11 through 16. To observe what he commands to be separate from these people to not let them become a snare, to draw them away from devotion to the Lord, to tear down the altars, to break the pillars, to cut down the ashram, to make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land, to to not participate in the ways that they worship, to not involve themselves in deep, intimate relationships with people who don't love the Lord. He says, uh, remove all signs of unfaithfulness to the Lord, and then remove anything that could cause compromise away from the Lord. We'll see this later in the application, but for us too, we have this calling as we step into the new year. When it's, when it's a great time to evaluate where you're at in life and to essentially do some cleaning out of things in your life. When we talk about New Year's resolutions, we talk about things that we want to do differently with the break in the years. And this new year starting, a fresh start, a fresh beginning, we ought to evaluate and to remove signs of unfaithfulness to the Lord in our life right now. Is there anything in our life that, that is an indicator, a sign that we're not being faithful to Him? And is there anything we ought to remove that could cause compromise, that could be a threat to causing us to move away from the Lord? Notice what he says, that they're to have no unholy mixing. It says no political treaties, no religious practices, no marital relationships. Note that the reason these things are, are to be avoided is because to engage in them is to essentially um, accept the validity of these gods, right? So by engaging in a political treaty, you're basically saying, hey, your God's pretty powerful. Our God's pretty powerful. Let's agree to, to be in coercion together so that we don't like, have to battle with each other because there's some uncertainty as to who would maybe get victory. Right? He's like, don't make any treaties with, with these people and their gods as though they're superior to me. He's like, we're not going to engage in that. We're not going to uh, assume the validity of their gods. And then he goes further into saying, like, don't participate in their practices. Like, don't get involved in the things that they do religiously, specifically the things that are, that are different than what he's called them to do. And then he says, don't engage in intimate relationships with them. Like, don't marry Right, this this isn't a passage that you could use to try to argue against um, people marrying from like different cultures today, or or marrying different skin colors today. What's that? What's that the the issue here? It's we don't marry people who worship a different god than we worship. Right? Doesn't matter our skin color. Doesn't matter the culture that we come from, the country that we we were born in. We marry within the body of Christ. Right, And the children of Israel were called to marry within the people of God and to not deviate, to not join themselves to others who didn't follow Yahweh. How does this apply to us? What's the, what's the call for us? Well, the call for us would be to see these stages of diluting the distinction that we're called to maintain. We're to be distinct people. And these are stages of how that distinction gets diluted, Right? The first stage being that we become familiar or accepting of, of things in our life, particularly things that maybe are introduced by other people. So let me, let me speak to our, our, our kids for a minute here, to our youth for just a little bit, because I see this happen all the time, right? I see this happen all the time, particularly at the middle school level, where kids have been raised right and, and taught right and, and have been good kids up until the middle school years. And then there's a decision to be made. Am I going to remain on the Lord's side or not? And it starts subtly. And we'll talk about it as teachers. We'll say, hey, did you see so-and-so is sitting at that lunch table now with, with kids who have already declared, I'm not on the Lord's side, right? And you'll see kids who have been devoted to the Lord start to interact and intermingle and kind of become familiar with the kids who don't follow the Lord, right? And then... The conversation shifts to, hey, did you realize that so-and-so is starting to, like, do some of the things that that those kids participate in and do? Like, it's things that we wouldn't have named amongst those kids before, but they've been sitting at that lunch table long enough now that they're starting to do some of the things that those kids are doing. I mean, it's not long before we say, hey, did you know so-and-so likes so-and-so? Right? Like, like, the, the, the kid who was following the Lord is now dating the kid who wants nothing to do with the Lord. For our students, like this is the stage of delusion that happens today in your school, at your lunch tables. The Lord would give us the same calling, right? We don't give ourselves to become familiar with the other side. We, we, don't, we don't say, hey, you know what? Like, I follow the Lord, but. It's okay to kind of intermingle with the other side who doesn't follow the Lord. It's okay to make some treaties, right? It's okay to, to sit and eat together and talk together and discuss things together to the point that all of a sudden, like, I'm starting to engage and participate in the things that you do, right? Kids who were never disrespectful to the, to the teacher all of a sudden start to dabble in disrespect towards the teacher because the people they're hanging out with are disrespectful to the teacher, and then before you know it, your heart is longing for something that mom and dad would never be okay with. And you start sneaking around and, and, and starting to like boys or girls that your parents would say, hey, they don't follow Jesus. Let me encourage all of us, adults and kids alike, to see where to be distinct, where to be different. Like our closest intimate relationships ought to be people who follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Because if we start to vary from that and we start to engage in the other, it will undoubtedly cause us to compromise. Like The Lord doesn't trust his people with the other side. He says you stay away from them. You tear down everything. You, you rid yourself of anything that would cause compromise in your life. We're in a covenant relationship, not a dating relationship with the Lord, which means we don't get to opt out when the things get tough and we don't act on how we feel. That's what you do when you're dating somebody. Right? When you're dating somebody and things start to get hard and difficult and your feelings are all out of whack, I mean, you can get out of it and say, you know what? like, We're going to break up. We're not going to be together anymore. You don't get that option when you're married. Right? When you're married, you don't get to say, it's getting a little hard, it's getting a little tough, but let's break up. The Lord says we are married. Right? We are in relationship, a covenant relationship together. We're not dating each other. He says, I'm fully committed to you. You be fully committed to me. Because if you start wandering, it's like adultery. You start wandering, it's like breaking the marital relationship. We need to take care that we don't work against God's plans in 2024, that we keep ourselves free from idols, as the New Testament tells us. That we remain distinct as God's people. How do we do that? Well, that leads us to number three. Think about specific ways you can obey his plans in 2024. See, Christianity isn't about just the things that we're told to avoid. It's about the things that we're to involve ourselves in. And that's exactly what he transitions to here. The Lord reminds his people the types of things that they're to engage in. Specifically, he talks to them about their worship and how their worship is meant to reinforce their identity. Now, we're not going to go through this meticulously because we've already done this. The Lord is simply reminding them why. Because they broke the covenant. They haven't been doing these things. And so he goes back to things he's already told them, right? So you can refer back to previous sermons to better understand what's going on with the Sabbath and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and all these things that are happening in this passage. But what's important here, he's reminding them, he's reminding them that they are called to worship him in a particular way. And the ways that he tells them, these feasts that they're supposed to keep, these sacrifices that they're supposed to honor, the ways that they go about doing these things, the Sabbath day and the honoring of the Sabbath, that's their context, and it's how they're to remember and apply his word to their lives. Now, think about this. If you're sitting in this uh, setting with Moses and he's communicating what God said, right? And God says, hey, we got to do this feast and this feast and that feast and this Sabbath and that Sabbath. And and this is how we're going to worship him. If that conversation was happening in today's day and age, you know what you would need to do? You would need to get your cell phone out. You need to pull your calendar up and say, hey, we got to prioritize these things, right? Like this is how we worship the Lord in this context. We got to put these things on the calendar. Why? Otherwise, other things will fill it up. Otherwise, other things will creep in and we won't keep the feast of in-gathering, because we'll have something else planned for that day, right? We, we won't do these things because other things will take precedent over it. He says, you've got to see that to remember, to apply, and to stay faithful, this is how it looks to worship in the context of the Old Testament, Israel. How does that apply to us? Well, I'd say that we have to do the same thing. We have to be intentional to think through how are we going to worship and serve God this year in our context. How are we going to worship and serve God this year in our context? Are we going to give you a list of feasts and gatherings to keep? No, because those have been fulfilled in Jesus, right? So we don't have to keep those things anymore. Christ came and fulfilled them. But we can't discount what Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 tells us, Right? New Testament passage, New Testament context, the context that we live in today. What does it say? It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. My question is, will we worship faithfully here at this church this year? Will we immerse ourselves in the culture of this church and the structures set up to remember and apply his word in our lives? Will we prioritize our calendars in a similar way? Like you guys know when we worship in this local church context, right? You know when we seek to obey Hebrews 10 by gathering. We gather on Sunday mornings. We gather every fifth or every sixth Sunday for the Lord's Supper, right? We teach five sermons, and then on the sixth, we have application Sunday. The Lord's Supper is the closest thing to these feasts and gatherings that are talked about. And the Lord's Supper is super important for us to engage in, in believers because it's specifically told to us we should do it until the Lord comes back. What if, what if you just went into 2024 And you looked at your calendar and said, we can't can't miss application Sundays because that's when we take the Lord's Supper at Sovereign Hope. There's other churches that take it every Sunday, right? There's freedom in how frequently it's taken. We take it on application Sundays because we feel like it gives us the best opportunity to prioritize the meaning behind it. It doesn't become so common that we lose the significance of it. It becomes a point for us to stop and to pause and to say, we're doers of the word, not hearers only. What would it look like if you just simply prioritize this year? Man, we gotta be there on application Sundays to partake of the Lord's Supper. Our C groups are every first Wednesday of the month. What would it look like if you if you walled those off and said, I gotta gather with the people of Sovereign Hope in a smaller setting where we get around God's word and we begin to study and apply it together? D groups follow the Wednesdays after that. Right? It's, it's not a legalistic thing where we say, hey, You better come to all of these things or, or man, you're not following the Lord in 2024, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I am telling you is that the Lord says one of the best ways to avoid compromising with the people that you're about to invade their land is to stay as close to me as possible, to worship me faithfully and regularly, to not let other things creep in and steal you away from me, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 commands us to gather regularly. And here's the thing that I hope you know here at this church is that we don't appeal to you like a tax collector who's money hungry or a Pharisee who's power hungry when we say come. Right? Like there's no motivation for money and power here at this church when we say we want you to be a part of this church family. It's soul caring shepherds your elders, your deacons who come underneath us to say, we want you here because it's the best thing for you. And if this place isn't the best place for you, then another local church needs to be because that's where your soul is cared for under the teaching of God's word. And we need that if we're gonna see God's plans accomplished in 2024. If we're gonna experience his goodness, we need that. Our worship is meant to reinforce our identity. Number two, lastly, our intentionality will determine our experience. As as your shepherds, we want your faith matured as you experience the awesomeness of God's plans in your life this year. But your intentionality will determine that experience. Notice Moses' experience and what he has with the Lord here. He comes off this mountain, and man, the glory of the Lord is shining out of his face. He's been exposed to God He's had time with God. He has seen the glory of God. And, and and it's undeniable by people who come in contact with him. He comes off the mountain and, and he has to cover his face even because of the way it's shining. Aaron and the people of Israel saw Moses. Behold, the skin of his face shone, they were afraid to come near him. And this happens every time he gets with the Lord, he comes back and exposes himself in such a way where he's shining. He has to cover it. How does that apply to us today? Well, I think what we see in the New Testament is that when Christians get intentional with growing in God's Word, they see the Son of God and are transformed into the image of God for the glory of God. Let me say that again. When Christians get intentional with growing in God's Word, they see the Son of God and are transformed into the image of God for the glory of God. In 2024, we've got to follow Him, and we follow Him by coming underneath His Word. We see the Son of God, we see Jesus in the Word and we're transformed into his likeness. I want to read to you a, a lengthy passage because it's paralleled in the New Testament. What's happening here in Exodus 34 is paralleled in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse seven. Now, if the ministry of death, that's talking about the law, because through the law comes the knowledge of sin, and, and, and sin brings death, right? So now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory, Will what is permanent have glory? What's happening there? He's talking about the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant, right? Like all these shadows that point to Jesus. So what he's saying is the new covenant is better because the old covenant basically talked about Jesus. The new covenant is Jesus. Come, right? So he's saying like if if what happened in the Old Testament brought this great glory upon Moses who encountered God, how much more glory should be shown in the New Testament by those encountering God? Verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Notice that we as believers, we're not veiling our faces. The veil over our hearts and our eyes spiritually has been taken down, and we see the glory of the Lord. It says in chapter four, verse one then, "'Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, "'we do not lose heart, "'but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. "'We refuse to practice cunning "'or to tamper with God's word. "'But by the open statement of the truth, "'we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience "'in the sight of God. "'And even if our gospel is veiled, "'it is veiled to those who are perishing. "'In their case, the God of this world "'has blinded the minds of the unbelievers "'to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel "'of the glory of Christ.' who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Most of us have experienced that. Most of us have had the light of the gospel shine into our hearts. And our responsibility now is to shine back. And there's some that still have a veil over their hearts and minds, and they don't see it, but we are to shine back. Verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Some of us are gonna feel this way in 2024, right? We're gonna be crushed, uh, or sorry, we're gonna be afflicted, we're gonna be perplexed, we're gonna be persecuted, we're gonna be struck down. But we don't have to be driven to despair. We don't have to be feeling like we're forsaken. We don't have to be destroyed. We can, we can we can, carry the body, the death of Jesus with us so that the life of Jesus may always be manifested in our bodies. Verse 11, for we who live are always being overthrown being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you, right? We go through some of these things to show the glory of Jesus when we keep turning to him and others see us turning to him in the midst of challenges. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so spoke. We also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also us raise with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Man, we need, we need to see the glory of God so that we can bear through these things that are coming, so that we can conquer these things that come into our life, so that we can show the glory of God as others look and see what 2024 might look like for us, that we keep turning to him. We keep trusting his goodness. We keep following him. We don't compromise. We don't yield ourselves to the things of this world, right? We spend our money differently. We spend our time differently. We spend our resources differently. We give our minds to heavenly things, not earthly things. And how intentional we are with that will determine our experience in 2024. Will we see his goodness in the midst of trials and difficulties? We will if we're following him. And his plans will come to fruition in our life if we're following him. He'll he'll drive out the Jebusites and the Hivites and the Amorites and everybody else that's in our way. He'll clear the path for his plans to be accomplished in your life. What is he asking for? He's asking that we be devoted to him in the midst of those plans. He's asking that we not compromise with the things of this world. He's asking that we intentionally worship him. We intentionally gather. We prioritize giving ourselves because it's not just about what you need from this church. It's about what others need from you. We talk about this in our membership process. Hey, as a member now, you have a responsibility to give to others in this church. Not financially, that's a part of it, but to give of yourself, to give of yourself to stir one another up to, good and, uh, to love and good works, All right? We, we gather, not just because we think we need it, we gather because other people need us. Other people need you in 2024 to gather and to worship regularly, to spur them on in their own faith. Application, two points, number one, examine your rhythm of life and determine if there is any compromise or threat of compromise that needs to be removed. Examine your rhythm of life and determine if there is any compromise or threat of compromise that needs to be removed. Any treaties, any activities, any relationships that maybe need to be severed, maybe need to be broken. For our kids, maybe it's time to pick a different lunch table when you go back to school this week. Maybe you deviated from the one that you should have been at. And unless you're at that lunch table to share the gospel, you probably need to go back to the other one. I can tell you, I, can, I, I do lunch duty every day. And I can tell you where the Lord is and where the Lord is not. Right. So those of you that go to my school, if you need to know which lunch tables to be sitting at, I'll be telling you. Right. I can tell you where the Lord's at and where the Lord is not. And I think you can too. I think you know. I think you know where you ought to be and where you ought not to be. I think you know where you've made some treaties And you've engaged in some activity and you and you've established some some deeper relationships than you should have. And I think you know those that need to be broken. Same's true for our adults as well. There may be treaties, there may be activities, there may be relationships that need to be adjusted going into 2024. Second, number two, examine your calendar, determine how to prioritize more involvement in the worship patterns of this church. Again, not in a legalistic way. I'm not keeping tabs of, of when you're here and when you're not here across the board. As elders, we want to know that you're still here, that you're being cared and taken care of, right? But man, what if you just said, you know what? I want to be, I want to be more holy this year. I want to be more like Christ this year. That doesn't happen by accident. You don't, like It's been said before, you don't drift towards holiness. What if you just looked at your calendar and said, I want to prioritize more worship this year. I want, I want to be more intentional with my worshiping activities this year. Not just because I need it, but because other people need me involved in their life too. Examine your calendar. Determine how to prioritize more involvement. If you don't seek to follow the Lord, then you can't rightly claim his good presence in your life. But if you'll determine to be intentional in the ways you seek to obey, you will find all the good you need as you face more in 2024. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you carried us through this past year. Lord, we had trials and difficulties and challenges that we could have never dreamed of one year ago today. But Lord, you were good and you were faithful and you showed that you were in control. You showed that you were committed to us. And Lord, you poured out your compassion over and over and over again. Lord, we're asking for the same as we go into 2024. We know more is coming. We know more challenge, more trial, more difficulty is coming. But God, you communicated to Moses, I go with my people, and you communicated that you are good. And so God, we we approach this new year confidently, knowing that you go with us and that you are good. Lord, help us to go with you. Lord, help us to be on your side, to side with you, to follow you. Lord, help us to not compromise. Lord, help us to, to rid ourselves of things that would cause us to stray from you. And Lord, give us a desire to worship you. To worship you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. To give ourselves to each other. To spur one another up to love and good works. Lord, we know if we do those things that 2024 can be awesome. That you've promised to do awesome things in the midst of your people. Lord, we're asking for that. We're asking for for you to claim us as your inheritance. To do awesome things in our life this upcoming year. And Lord, we pray that knowing that that doesn't mean that only good things that we want will happen. Lord, we're praying it knowing that when bad things happen, you will be good to us in the midst of it. Lord, help us to follow you with unadulterated uh, abandonment, fully committed to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.savhope.org. Again, that's www.savhope.org.